You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 86, Yolanda Williams Enrique. Welcome to the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Together, they have over three decades of experience designing harmonious living spaces. Laura and Angie have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their lives. Mindful Design School offers feng shui courses and certifications. Check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. If you've been listening to us for a while or you're a newbie, welcome. And we hope you enjoy this earlier episode. So for this episode, we have a good friend of ours, Yolanda Williams of Reiki Radio, and her website is called The Energetic Alchemist. And let me just tell you, she has such good energy, such good chi, such good ki, because she is the same as ki, and ki of Reiki. And she teaches Reiki, and she teaches a coaching program. And let me just tell you, even just after speaking with her on this podcast, my energy was super uplifted and so expansive just by touching in with her and hearing her voice. So she's really an amazing, gifted practitioner and healer. I highly recommend you check her out. But definitely hope you enjoy this podcast where we talk to her about Reiki and something that I was really interested in, which is Reiki signs or symbols and how to use that in your home. And also she really inspired me to pull out my old Reiki notes and start to incorporate it back into my life because it had been some time. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi, Yolanda. Hi. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Hi. Hi, Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited. I'm still kind of... ah. So for the listeners, we're really excited to have Yolanda Williams today, and she has her own podcast, Reiki Radio. She's a healer and a Reiki practitioner, but also an intuitive coach, right? Yes. For those of you who don't know what Reiki is, can you can you share a little bit about what it is for the listeners? Yeah. So, well, I'll say it's It's interesting. I would say here it has become known as, in a very generalized way, people say it is a Japanese energy healing technique. And it is. More than anything, I think why I have fallen in love with Reiki is it really is a way of life. And it's not just about energy healing and laying of hands, which is what most people associate it with. It also comes with a set of principles and kind of like a code of ethics. So there's a lot within the system of Reiki that help us understand how to live a more balanced, more harmonious life. It's about our state of mind, our state of energy, of course, but also being mindful of our emotion. So it really is a system that helps us to understand and transform our overall well-being. Before we started the podcast, I was starting to tell the two of you, and then I realized I should just say it on the podcast, is actually, I attribute a lot of my spiritual growth and success and and my career success to feng shui, but the whole reason why I, I started my spiritual path was I was actually in Thailand, and I had no spiritual path at all, and I was really depressed, and I was 
super unhappy and I was in Chiang Mai and I was with my friend and this Reiki practitioner came up to us and asked us if we wanted a Reiki session. And it was this Tibetan healer. And my friend was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And I was like, fine, okay, whatever. And I did it and I had a Reiki session and it was so, as you said, so transformative. I actually like just started crying through the whole thing. And after that session, I don't even know how long it was. Probably it was only like an hour, a half hour, but I left that and that was like an epiphany. I was like, I have to change my entire life. Yeah. I said, I cannot go back to how things were. And when I go back to New York, things have to change. I need to change my life. I'm unhappy. And so I went back. I started meditating. I started taking yoga. I started studying feng shui. <laughs> I even was attuned to Reiki one, but I haven't really done anything with it because it's not really, it's not for me necessarily, but it seems like it's, it doesn't do much, but it's, it's hugely transformative. Yeah, it's very clarifying. I think that's the thing. I tell people a lot of times when they ask me to describe what it's like, and I say how, you know, we're living our lives and we have emotions, we have interactions, we have so much go on day to day, moment to moment. And it's kind of like starting to slowly put a kink in a water hose. And then we get to such a place that there's a full block in this water hose and the water is just backed up. Just, it can't flow through and we feel terrible. We feel heavy. We feel just outside of ourselves, disconnected, so many different things. And then you have a Reiki session. If you're not practicing Reiki, you have a Reiki session. And then it's like this movement of your energy is slowly releasing that kink in the hose. So now all of a sudden, this flow that was inhibited starts to come back into your space. And so now, because this movement of your life force is starting to happen again in a more balanced way, you have clarity of mind. You have this energy to move, to live. You feel more alive, all of these different things. But because of the movement, we also have some of the rubbish <laughs> come up to come out. So we may be very emotional and all other types of things, but it's all part of the cleansing. Ah, that sounds like feng shui, right, Laura? Yeah. 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 It's very intimate, Reiki. It's very powerful that way. And it's interesting that it takes a, I'm going to guess, a very intuitive and sensitive practitioner to be able to work with someone in that intimate energy zone with them you know, to yeah. be able to get that kind of result. No, absolutely. That's actually why I started studying intuitive development and now included as part of what I teach along with energy healing. Because for a lot of people, when they start practicing Reiki, again, you're clearing like your energy channels, you're clearing these pathways. So you start to naturally come more online, so to speak, mm -hmm. and you become more aware of your intuitive mind and you become more aware of the non-physical and what you feel and what you sense in a, a non-physical way. And that's like a whole different part of ourselves that a lot of us aren't familiar with. And so that can be uncomfortable. It can be scary. It can be off-putting. It can be a lot of different things if all of a sudden you're sensing energy in a new way, but don't know how to translate or don't quite understand what it is you're tuning into. Well, that's what you told me you're more focused on now, actually, yeah. helping them move through what's coming up. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask that. I was going to ask, that sounds like 
what you've figured out is that, you know, doing the treatment is one is only half of it, but being able to continue to guide them through is really where that coaching comes in. And that's much more of it. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I used to work in corporate. I worked for HSBC, which is a international bank. I, I had a totally different life. And the division I worked for in San Diego, we were bought out by another bank. And so I was either going to have to be laid off or move to Texas. And I didn't want to move to Texas. So I took my package and, but then I started having anxiety about what am I going to do with my life? I knew I didn't want to go back into finance. I, I, I just, I was too stressed and all of these things. And I happened to go to an astrologer to have a chart reading done. And she was the one who recommended Reiki and I had never heard of it. So she said, why don't you go have a Reiki session and also learn how to meditate? So I looked up Reiki and it sounded interesting, but kind of crazy. So I was (laughs) curious. So I ended up signing up for a class rather than doing a session. So I started learning Reiki and meditation simultaneously. And that's how this all began. But back then, there weren't many people talking about energy work as publicly as they do today. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, this was fascinating. It was fun. It was interesting. But my stuff started to come up, to come out. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? I didn't know anything about a healing crisis. I didn't know anything about, you know? So it was because of my own experience that I started doing the podcast and started sharing with people so that people didn't run away from their healing and understanding that even some of the tougher parts were a very important part of the process. Yeah, that's so important because if you just do one without the other, it's very incomplete. And I yeah, that's a really a real gift because I think p- probably people, not everyone does that when they teach Reiki. Yeah. When they attune you. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that with shopping. me. <laughs> 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 I just did the attunement and then I don't know, she, they, I never heard from them again. Oh yeah, no. I'm very, very interactive with not just my students, but I've created a, um, an online Reiki community of sorts. So I have the podcast, but I also have a private Facebook group where practitioners from all over the place come and share and ask questions and exchange because, you know, I think it's important. It's how we all learn and try to understand something that was founded like in 1922. I mean, come on, the world is so different now and it Mm -hmm. comes from Japan. So it's a totally different culture than Mm -hmm. the West. So there's a lot about it that's still being researched, a lot that's still trying to be understood. And we kind of, we learn by sharing and exchanging. Mm. So you teach as well? Sorry, I'm interrupting Yes, yes, yes. That's very cool. And if I wanted to train with you, what would that mean? And this is really me being completely ignorant because I've had one Reiki session and it was in combined with a yin yoga class and I don't think it was, you know, a full oh, session. Yeah. So I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty new to it. I have been, and you know, you're, what I've learned from you already today is more than I've known in a lifetime. So if I wanted to train with you, how would I do that? Well, one, you would have to come to San Diego. Okay. That's good though, because (laughs) I live in Canada, so it's way warmer. So I'm I'm open for that. (laughs) It's a great place to visit. So in the lineage that I've learned, and actually, quite honestly, I've studied several lineages because I was curious and wanted to understand, but I only teach in person. And I say that because there are people now who also 
teach Reiki online and I, I don't. So you really would have to come mm-hmm. see me in person. There are typically three levels to Reiki. Again, it depends on the lineage, but most common here in the West, you'll hear about three levels. So there's level one, level two, and then level three, which is also known as master level. And in level one, there's a lot of focus on the body and being present and hands-on. So you don't manipulate the body in any way. It's not like massage. The person, the client leaves their clothes on, but they do lie on a massage table. So on level one, you learn a lot about, you know, presence, being in body, the physical touch, the physical aspect of the practice of Reiki, along with history and these types of things. Then if you decide to go on to level two, technically that's what the practitioner level is. And in Reiki level two, that's where you learn about the Reiki symbols. Um, You also hear about people talking about distant Reiki or doing it remotely because you don't have to physically be in the same space as someone to do a Reiki session for them. So you learn that in level two. And then in level three, which is also known as master level, you learn about the attunement process. So you learn how to attune people to Reiki, the lineage that you're from, these types of things. And you just go into deeper levels and aspects of the practice as well as learn an additional symbol. Yeah. And that's what really I I was interested in talking to you about is the level two Reiki symbols because I've heard about them because I have a few friends that teach Reiki. And I heard, and now you're going to have to tell me because I heard that there's Reiki symbols that you can actually put on your spaces, like your walls. And and I love that. I was just interested in how that connects with feng shui and our environments. And could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So the symbols I think are very cool. And that I think one of the first things I'd have to say about symbols is the empowerment of symbols, right? So we could think of something like, I mean, there's so many, like a cross. That's a very popular symbol, right? And because so many people have um, connection to what that means, what it symbolizes, what it represents, it empowers that symbol and what it represents. And especially what it means to the wearer or the holder or the viewer of whatever that symbol may be. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Reiki symbols in the same way, they are empowered by the practitioner in a lot of ways. So they have their own energy, but they also are amplified, if you will, by the practitioner and their own connection to these energies. So in level two, you get attuned to or connect with and learn about three symbols. One of the symbols is connected to uh, Shintoism. And that symbol in a lot of ways is one that is commonly used. People will draw it in their spaces. Most lineages say don't have the symbol out visible to people who aren't practitioners. So a lot of people will just draw the symbols in the air or chant the symbols or things like this. Now, because of the age that we live in, yes, you could Google Reiki symbols. You can buy them jewelry. There's people have them tattooed. It's, you know, <laughs> things have changed. It's all, gone to hell. it's all different now. Yeah. But people do draw the symbols to change the frequency or uplift the energy of their environment. So that particular symbol, the first one that's connected to Shintoism is called 
not the true name of it, but it's referred as the power symbol. So a lot of people use that symbol in their space for protection, to amplify energy, to prepare their space to do energy work. They use it in a lot of different ways. What I understood is that you draw it invisibly. Yes. Yeah. So I love that idea because that's really like kind of about like similar to feng shui that yeah. it's like you're creating a ta- magical talent. You're creating a talisman with power or a sigil or a symbol and you're imposing that energy on your environment, whether it be the space that's filling the environment or the walls that form the container for the environment. But I I love that because it's about shifting the energetics, the chi of the space. And actually, you know, in feng shui, we use the nine star key, which is the same as reiki with chi, right? K-I-Q-I. So I love that. Did you know about those reiki symbols, Laura? I did not until you told me before that you were going to, you're like, oh, I'm interested in this. I want to know. But it does sound very similar to many of the more advanced adjustments that we do. We have some where there's a lot of visualizing the trigrams on the wall, in particular immortals. And, you know, everything is done invisibly with your own intention. And when you were saying, you're talking about empowering, that is exactly it being empowerment and empowering is a whole part of our lineage of feng shui where yes you do the adjustment but then we have what we call the three secret reinforcements which is all about empowering that adjustment using body speech mind and that is what changes it from a mundane adjustment to a transcendental adjustment so that's very oh, that's similar so cool. so cool yeah yeah and it's it's one of those things that fascinates me the power of our intention right and it really shows how we are separate from nothing that we could even just draw these invisible symbols and these things but the impact that they have and how our own intentionality plays into it and it's interesting you said was it mind body speech mm-hmm. yeah so I mentioned there were three symbols. So the first one in like in level one is very connected in a lot of ways to physicality. And then the second symbol is considered the mental emotional symbol. So it's a lot to do with, you know, our mindfulness, right? So we're looking at being connected to ourselves, being embodied. Then we're going into what is our state of mind? What is our state of emotion? And How do we find harmony in that? And then the third symbol, which is often referred to as the distant symbol because people use it to work remotely, but it really points to non-duality and how there really is no separation between us. So while it's a distant session, the truth of the matter is there's no distance between us, which is why we're able to work with each other and connect with each other energetically, regardless Mm -hmm. of our physical location. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. so cool. You know, it made me think of also, I'm doing this, well, I kind of fell off the wagon when I was traveling, but is doing white a white Tara practice visualization. And when I was transmitted the technique, the teacher really recommended, because you visualize your white Tara, and so you can look at the tanka and, and refer to it and visualize that you're like wearing, like your skin is you're, you're all white like her and you're wearing the pearls like her and you have like seven eyes and all this stuff. But the teacher said, don't actually take the position of the mudras. Just mm-hmm. sit like you would normally sit in meditation, but don't like move your hands into the mudras because actually that further reinforces the duality of the situation that like I have to become her. But if you just sit in with your body the way it is and you visualize like an ethereal body, 
imposed on your body mm-hmm. doing a different motion it it, it kind of may, it helps you understand that we are not solid right? right and that there's no separation between my solid body and this ethereal body because i don't even have to take the position because we're all the same so it's it's really interesting that 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 you you have a, you even have a symbol for that yeah and it's funny because i know when we spoke before and we talked about you know how you could use the symbols in a room to shift the vibration of the room and these things but one of the things i teach and i also have a class for people who didn't study with me so they can learn these things but i have people connect with the symbols personally like you sit with the symbol you meditate on it visualize it hold that frequency of the symbol so that you can recognize that it's not separate from you either. So it's not just, you know, shifting the energy of say the room you're going to hold a session in, but start with you, like get your environment together first, really manage your own energy first, and then step out and, you know, shift the energy of the room or whatever it is that you're going to do. But we can absolutely merge with or connect with energies of all different things and really take on those impressions. Yeah, the idea of being able to just take it with you and go and also working on, because we were speaking earlier when we were talking off, offline, and we were talking about both of our modalities and our practices that we both do, Feng Shui and Reiki. So much is done with your own personal chi and how you show up. Right. right. And a lot of people don't really think about that from a feng shui standpoint. Uh, and you can't just learn the tools and then just jump into the world and start using them with people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of personal work that you need to do yourself, like you were just describing, mm-hmm. of, you know, sitting and working with those symbols. We have, we have methods that, you know, in order to clear your chi, to boost your chi, to get rid of all that garbage, as you were saying, or rubbish that we have as well. So it's very similar in that way. There's so many similarities between the two practices. I mean, of course, somebody, obvious people are going to go, yeah, duh. Every, <laughs> but I'm like, here I am sitting here going, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's really cool. No, it's blown my mind today. And I guess, you know, for your listeners to know too, I had the pleasure of interviewing the two of you for my podcast and listening to all that you shared about feng shui. That's part of why I'm so excited because I, I'm, I mean, it's unbelievable to me how similar they are. But what I love about this and the show that you have and us being able to have these conversations is it gives other people an opportunity to go deeper in their understanding of not only themselves, but all of these beautiful techniques. Because we tend to only hear about or know about them on a very surface level. Like, mm-hmm. okay, Reiki's hands-on or like, oh, feng shui is how I set up my room. But no, there are deeper levels to all of these practices. So yeah, I think it's great that we get to podcast and talk and bring people into this in deeper ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I had another question. So you do the Reiki trainings in San Diego where you live. So do you do like a Reiki training? Like all, do you just do all three in one weekend or are they spread out? Yeah, no, I don't. (laughs) So there are some, and what's interesting about Reiki is it has become so popular and there are a lot of different lineages, as I mentioned before. So there are some people who do, you could learn all three in one weekend. I personally wouldn't recommend that only because there's a lot of energetic shift that happens, even in level one, you get 
what's called an attunement. And so again, if we're releasing that hose and allowing energy to flow, mm-hmm. you want to give yourself a moment to acclimate to that before you go and do another big flush or mm-hmm. adjustment, so to speak. So in the way that I teach one and two, I used to do them in a four week format. So it was a month long training every weekend we would meet for level one and level two. Now I've extended it out even longer just because it helps people to go deeper into connection. It's just from teaching that I recognized we do a lot here that is so quick. Everybody wants a quick, give it to me, let me know. And then it's over, but it doesn't really serve them when they walk away and they're like, wait, what did I just learn? What just happened? You know? So now we do the training two days for level one, and then there's support, ongoing support for a few months. Then we do level two, same thing. There's two days of training in person, and then there's ongoing support. And that can even be done remotely because I have some people who train with me and don't live locally. They just come for the in-person. But you can't do master level in my lineage until at least six months after you've finished level two. And that's just to give you time to not just acclimate to, but practice and really get familiar with Mm -hmm. the energy, your own practice on and on before going on to the next level. Mm -hmm. And Laura, like you can, so, well, Yolanda, I think you'll confirm. You can also like Reiki, put Reiki on objects and, and pets and so cool. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while since I thought about Reiki. Although we do have a student, a couple students that also study mm-hmm. Reiki. Um, they do Reiki and then studied Feng Shui too. Um, but it's, I love that it's very not, not in physically invasive. Yes. Well, you know, I think of it of this way. Um, I'm not that familiar with Feng Shui, but something you said on my podcast, it made me think of this just now, how you spoke of one of the crystals being multifaceted and how that can break up the energy and, you know, change the energy of a room. So imagine a Reiki practitioner, hopefully they are practicing their practice and they are working on themselves, they're working on their energy. And so let's just say their energy is strong for lack of a better word. Their life force is pretty healthy they're flowing in it. They have a strong life force. And then you come in and Reiki can be used to help support people with physical pain. But let's say you're coming in because you emotionally, something's gone on. So you feel drained, you're tired, you're sad, your life force is actually low, Mm -hmm. right? So you come lay on the table. Now, just from being in the presence of someone whose energy is a little higher, that's going to have an impact on you. So already we're helping to create a shift in your space just by us being in contact with each other, right? And then they're holding the space to help, let's say, activate your own life force to create and support your own flow of your own life force to start happening in a way. But I think the beauty of it is, is before even laying of hands or anything else, just recognizing how much we influence and impact each other. Just like, have you ever been in a room and someone comes in and they, this one person, they could shift the energy of the whole room Mm -hmm. because of their attitude. They might be happy. They might be angry, whatever it is, that one person shifts everybody. Mm -hmm. It's this, this type of work brings us into this awareness of just how Mm -hmm. impactful we are 
just mm-hmm. energetically forget everything else yeah. just yeah. on that level so yeah, yeah we look at that in feng shui too and we could even yeah. look at it not just as a person the chi of a person can shift the space but the chi of an object can do that too right. so you can bring in something with predecessor energy with energy from the previous owner yeah or it's been in another space and then it can totally shift all the energy in your home just like that brady bunch episode where (laughs) (laughs) you remember that brady bunch episode where they bring like something from hawaii and they weren't supposed to and then they all have bad luck that's funny I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was, I think it was like. Are you really old? Are you old enough? To, you definitely did not watch it. You watched it in reruns, obviously. No, I think it was the Brady Bunch movie, actually, that you're talking about. Yes, okay. the Brady that was Bunch the movie. movie. Yeah, you remember they go to Hawaii and yes. they accidentally like steal something? Uh, accidentally take our. It was like a rock, rock or something, yeah, like a lava rock. That's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do, everyone. By the way, we uh, go into people's houses <laughs> and we'll clear your weird rocks you bring back from weird places. <laughs> no well you know it's funny you say that i had a client who she loved crystals and she would like have them in her pocket she ha- has them in her yeah, bra why do people do that yeah she puts a little tiffany bag full of crystals oh. and puts mm-hmm. it in her bra and why do people do that it's it even close to their heart too i she think just, oh. yeah loves just close to crystals yeah. yeah but she had this gorgeous ring that she would wear and this one time when she came for a Reiki session and I, my hands were hovering over the ring, I was like, ooh, whoa. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where did you get this mm-hmm. ring? I was like, did it belong to someone else? And it was. She got it at an estate. So mm-hmm. I was like, listen, we got to clear the energy of this ring <laughs> before we go on with anything, okay? Yeah. Oh, so you can also clear the energy with Reiki. Yes. So, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's like... Uh, you know, again, kind of to the non-duality, like we're separate from nothing and all things have energetic. Yeah. Cause we clear, we clear objects too. So you could totally do, you could totally do feng shui, Yolanda. You already know. I know. I want to take your yeah. class. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I'm like, I'm like, Hmm, maybe I should get back into Reiki because I have that Reiki one, but I don't remember anything from it. It was literally, um, it was probably 2003 or 2000. Yeah. You Which might need fine. a refresher. I'm no offense. Yeah. I'm not saying. <laughs> well, no, because that's because that's when I had that epiphany and all that. It was during my Saturn return, actually. But oh. but I but I'm curious since like during in Reiki one, what they do is they open they attune you, so they actually open up a channel. Mm-hmm. So what happens if it, you don't use it, and does it close up, or do you need to have it reopened, or? Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean. It's, it's not like you're given something that you didn't have. I always explain an attunement is kind of like, imagine there was a light switch on in you, but it was shut to off and you have the attunement and someone flicked the light switch on. And you're like, oh, oh, there's light in here. Okay. Well, you, after that process, the more you sit and connect with your energy and you know different practices, you're going to strengthen that connection. But it is common that a lot of people leave class and don't continue. And then they're like, how do I regain it? So one of the ways I tell people is, um, you can sit and create chi balls. I don't know if, if you're, Oh yeah, we do this in yeah. way too. Yeah. Creating chi balls is a good way to reconnect to just feeling the energy. Uh-huh. But then part of the practice as well is if you reconnect with the Reiki principles and just be an observation of yourself, like, am I responding from anger, from worry? Am I 
being in my gratitude? Am I being diligent in my practice? Am I being kind to myself and others? Just that self-awareness is a big part of the practice and how you're showing up. Okay. I'll look from my notes. But yeah, in feng shui, actually, we do a lot of practices, like include qigong, and we do the... um, Actually, last week, we just taught our students how to create... uh, We we use um, how to create qi in their hands. Mm -hmm. And um, because we use... We use a, specific, a t- technique from the Huna tradition where you create a supercharged chi in your in your hands. So, but I never call it chi, a chi ball. I like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell the people to practice the chi ball one because it strengthens the palm chakras, but it also helps people to strengthen that building and cultivation of energy between their hands. The more you do it, the stronger it becomes. And so, you know, which is practice practice your practice yeah that actually reminds me of when I first started meditating um I would take these classes and the teacher like did had different themes every day like mantra Mondays Tai Chi Tuesdays and I remember for Tai Chi Tuesday I was like one day I told him you know I don't really feel anything (laughs) and um but it's funny now because I can feel it you know now after practicing for a, a you know over a decade of yeah. chi, chi work, but um, but it, I remember just doing all this tai like like tai chi and I'm, and um, or qigong type things, and I just didn't feel a thing. But it is amazing when you know, like it's it's pal- it's physical. You can feel it in yes. your hands. Yeah, it's undeniable. Yeah, yeah. So just look at you're already going to reconnect to your practice through teaching people feng shui <laughs> you're reconnecting to your reiki practice too yeah laura you want laura and i are going to come visit you yeah that's right i'd rather yeah san diego would be good i like yeah san diego. come yeah come on <laughs> well thank you so much for being on our podcast and and all of you need to check out Yolanda's podcast, Reiki Radio podcast, because we were, uh, Laura and I were on there too, and we talked about feng shui. But um, you can also learn more about Yolanda and her, her te- how she teaches Reiki and her coaching program. And, and what other offerings do you have? Um, right now, because I'm working on an Oracle deck. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm working with an artist, so, and she's in Pennsylvania, so there's, you know, um, but it's, it's been an amazing process. So I have um, slowed down on teaching. I probably won't teach another Reiki class until uh, fall. So until then, um, I do still have one-to-one sessions with people in person and remotely, but also, um, I have a group called the Alchemy Circle where we meet weekly and, you know, there's all kinds of information and tips and tools and stuff I share with them. And um, yeah, that's my focus right now just because of the other project. Cool. Ah, Very cool. cool. And you could, so you could find Yolanda's information at theenergeticalchemist.com. Do you, can you spell, spell that? Or here, I actually, I could do it. T-H-E. So the energetic, E-N-E-R-G-E-T-I-C, alchemist, A-L-C-E-M-I-S-T.com or T-E-A-Reiki.com, T-E-A-R-I-E-K-I, which is the energetic alchemist. So T-E-A-Reiki.com. 
Yes. Yeah, I created that other one just to simplify it for people. The TEA stands for the Energetic Alchemist. <laughs> that was very smart. I know. Yeah. Sometimes we're like, what's our web address? Because <laughs> <laughs> like we wanted Mindful Design, but they didn't have it. So then we Mindful Design School. We're like, Mindful Design School? <laughs> it's because it's like so long. We forgot. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you you forget it. I don't forget. It. You forgot it once. No, you totally forgot it. Totally forgot. Maybe we should do what Yolanda did. We could do like MD yeah. uh, MD school. Thank you so much for listening to this earlier episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. Now you can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share the podcast with others subscribe and even better leave a review if you'd like to explore the world of holistic spaces and feng shui on an even deeper level please visit our website online store and blog for more information about feng shui and holistic living you can visit holisticspaces.com support the podcast by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com thank you so much for listening see you next week